But since they said, oh, can you chuck my gear in the wash when you wash uh, mine? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, no worries. And I said, oh, since you left the belt there. And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, what do you want me to do with it? Uh, and he goes, put it in the washing machine. And I was like, Ooh. Yeah. What about know, the spirits, Reese? Hey guys, and welcome to Karate Over Coffee. A podcast where we chat about everything and anything related to karate and kabuto. I'm Reese Cummings, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Shane McMahon. Yeah, I, I think it can be either way. You know, we can see people and we can think that they either do or don't know lots about karate. And actually, yeah, yeah. sometimes it, it ends up being the complete opposite. Yeah, totally. Totally. There was, there was another one. And I think this was more recently because I was over there with some students. And more recently, I mean, probably in the last five years, uh, I think. But there was, uh, we, were, we were all catching a taxi to go to a venue and we got into the taxi. And we're driving along and the taxi guy goes, well, what, uh, what are you doing here? Where are you going? And we said, okay, we're going here. And he goes, oh, that's a dojo. Uh, I know where to go. No worries. And we said, yep. And he goes, oh, have a look at this. And he just reaches into that side pocket of the door and pulls out uh, a like a photo album just of all his Kobudo weapons collection and photos oh, geez, really? with his instructors. And he just passed it around the people uh, that were in the car. And oh. it was, I guess it was a cool experience for the students to sort of see, oh, hey, randomly, this guy's here. And look at all this cool stuff that uh, we get to look at and hear about. Yeah that um yeah that's that's incredible i wish i'd uh call that taxi <laughs> yeah well we uh my, my wife and i and my son were staying at um uh is it tommy gooks gusuku mm. sort of uh south south maybe 45 minutes out of naha on the beach side and was just staying there for a couple of days and uh, there was a dojo it was a odundi type dojo where they did Udundi and dance and um, something kindle maybe or kenjitsu or something something like that. Mm. And every time I went up, went to that dojo to check it out, they were always closed. And I was really because we were standing there for four or five days, and I was trying to stay with my family but also check out this dojo. And yeah. on the last day, we were driving in back to the airport, and it was open, and I just pull the car in. And I had looked for about 30 seconds and a guy yeah. looked at me and said, you can't look at this. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so I had to jump back in the car and, and keep going. I couldn't believe it. But it, yeah, look, I think those kind of things, just finding random spots of stuff is the is the fun part of exploring a foreign country, regardless of where it is. Yeah. And obviously, if we've got an interest in it. I had, I guess, uh, a little bit of a unique experience in that when I went to Okinawa, at least in the early part of the years, I used to stay uh, at my sensei's house mm. and I would have a room in there. Like I know a few other people had stayed there as well. And, you know, that'd be my space for the two, three or four weeks that I'd be there and getting that experience as well, like sort of seeing, I guess, a little bit more how things uh, went on in general life. Like, yep. you know, you'd wake up you do some training in the morning often my that training would i'd be doing that on my own and then um at a certain time of the day if, if uh, sensei wasn't busy 
he might come in and say, oh, hey, do you either want to do some training or let's go out and grab some breakfast or even go shopping or, or, or that kind of thing. And then the day would just organically uh, evolve. Yeah. So most of the time it would be that training. After that, we'd have we'd go out and have lunch possibly, some afternoon training. Um, same thing, rest or you'd go to the beach or you might be tired so you'd have sleep, uh, whatever it might be. And then again, training in the evening. But I don't know what your experiences are, but training in the evening generally starts around eight o'clock, so quite late. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think most people have a have a pretty pretty demanding job hour hour wise. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, like uh, people would eat at ten o'clock at night, yep. whereas whereas in Australia, people are asleep at eight o'clock at night. So it's a little bit different in in the culture and the the training. Well, what I really found uh, pretty interesting was. With the with the training, uh, people would turn up whenever. So if the class yeah. at eight o'clock, yeah. for example, they might turn up at eight twenty, do twenty minutes or half an hour of training, and then then potter off. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, everybody the class starts at eight, and if you turn yeah. up at eight o five, you know some dojo won't let you train. I don't care. You just turn up when you can. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't bother me, but. Um, yeah, some dojo won't let you train if you're five minutes late. But here we are, the birthplace of karate, and they're way more relaxed than everybody else in the world about schedule. Well, yeah, I, look, I agree as well. And there were people that used to turn up any time of the day while mm. I was there and train. The dojo was just generally open. Like when, when the sensei got up in the morning, door would go up. Uh, at the roller door and it was just it was basically just left open most of the day yeah. um, and if you came in and trained that was fine uh, and sometimes there were a couple of people that would do that throughout the day sometimes there was none sometimes they would literally come in and do some of the exercises uh, like hojuandu or that kind of thing uh, and, and, and do that and again, same thing. Class started at eight. Before we would generally do zazen, so that we do meditation. Uh, and some people would turn up, and they turn up after that, or they turn up before that, uh, or they turn up halfway through the class, stay later, leave halfway. It was very relaxed. Yeah. I was even talking to a, a student the other day, and we were just talking about the formalities of things. And I was saying. Okinawan karate, there's certainly bowing. You bow generally when you come in, you know, you come in the morning or hayogazamas or, or whatever, konbawa, generic greeting to everyone. Uh, and then you pretty much get along and be pretty casual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And go home, bow, leave. But there's there's not a lot of that, not at least in my experience, there's not a lot of that formality that surrounds things in the same way that perhaps we try and put on it in the West. Well, I think the West are trying to adopt a Japanese culture um, and then not really understanding, you know, karate, karate is its own culture. Karate, mm. is, karate is not a Japanese culture. You know, my, uh, my dojo, we're very relaxed um, because, you know, for me, it is karate is its own thing. And we are in Australia and we have an Australian culture um, yeah. where we ask questions and and those sorts of things but the i think in well with in okinawa every dojo that i went to is is somebody's house yes some somebody somebody's you know somebody's house their parents grandparents whoever the previous dojo was um when i was a kid i lived in the dojo um dojo was downstairs and our house was upstairs um but uh, my dad certainly wouldn't 
open the dojo at any time for anybody. Yeah. Um, and I would, I'd never do it again because we, we would have people at Friday night, 8.30, knock on the front door and ask about karate classes. And again, yeah. it's, a, it's a different culture, different, different culture. I think that's really interesting too, because you're talking about those two different cultures. And I think a lot of karate instructors think about, oh, well, if I had a dojo in my house, wouldn't that be convenient? And, yeah. and I certainly think it would be. And I know a lot of people have more sort of like private dojos, which I think mm -hmm. is a great idea. Yeah. Um, I, I've thought about that idea. I know my uh, other half certainly doesn't support the idea. And to be honest, I'm not sure I do either because if you have the public coming to your home, there are other risks and considerations sure. that when you're running a business, you, I think you have to think about. And that separation becomes very difficult too. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. It, it, do, it does make me think of a couple of experiences though. Uh, one may be the most controversial topic ever. However, it's what happened. <laughs> so, uh, we would train and most of the time after training sensei would say uh because there was there was a little change room off to the side of the dojo and around the corner there were, there were two washing machines and and generally people would either leave their geese there or their, their belts or that kind of thing and, and that's why your name was on them so you'd know which ones but since they said oh can you chuck my gi in the wash when you wash uh mine and i said yeah yeah sure no worries and i said oh sensei you left the belt there and he goes yeah and I said, well, what do you want me to do with it? Uh, and he goes, put it in the washing machine. And I was like, yeah. well, What no, about the spirits, Reese? The spirits, he torsos in the belt. He torsos exactly. spirit. You know, all of the blood, sweat, knowledge that you have has to all be. In <laughs> I know it, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wash away. I obviously didn't say any of this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he, he just looked at me and he's like, Well, it's a, you know sort of like it's a bit of clothing it gets dirty why not wash it yeah yeah um yeah. and i went you know i and i probably hadn't heard too much about the idea of uh the spirit and that kind of thing was in your belt i guess it just in my head i probably hadn't gone oh yeah it's the same kind of thing right well I from think... that point on like yeah. I, I, don't, I certainly don't wash my belt every time i wash my gi but you, do you know it. i try to train hard so therefore sweat. Uh, yeah. And if my belt is dirty or I if, I'm, if I've done a you know, big class of rolling around on the floor or grappling or that kind of thing, well, of course, I'm going to wash my belt. It's a piece of clothing. Yeah. Um, but I know that can be controversial. Well, the, the other controversial thing about the belt is um, if you look at a lot of Okinawans, they generally just have a very nice black belt, uh, not frayed not not mm -hmm. hanging off uh and you know my japanese instructor is the same he's like oh he he'll constantly change his belt yes so it's nice and nice and neat and fresh yep. rather than look like it's been hanging around your waist and rotting mm -hmm. for the last uh, 40 years yep so um yeah well i think that the guys who who don't wash their belt and don't want the karate spirits coming out are probably the same guys who spend 15 minutes before the class bowing to everybody who's done karate beforehand and, and their uncles and aunties and grandmas and grandpas. Stay tuned for the next part where Reese and I talk about Okinawa. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you'd like more information, check us out at karateovercoffee.com. Or have a look at wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be on Spotify, iTunes, on the website or online. And I look forward to grabbing a coffee with you next time.